This is a medical and mental health disclaimer. Everything that is produced by the multidimensional journey, including podcasts, posts, information that's posted via Facebook, Instagram, any type of social media is all for informational uh, intended purposes only. It is never to give advice or diagnose or to replace um, any professional medical or mental health treatment. If you have any questions regarding this disclaimer, please contact me directly via the podcast. I would uh, be more than happy to answer your questions and thank you. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the multidimensional journey. This is your host, Ayahuasca Carr, and today we're going over harm reduction techniques within and outside of the Ayahuasca ceremony. Now, this topic was actually inspired by a meeting that I had attended, and someone asked me about harm reduction. And I had actually had never thought about it in the context of ayahuasca, but some things have transpired that have really made me realize that this needs to be a topic that a lot of people are considering. So I'm going to go over several different things. So I would get a pen and a paper and let's just dive right in. Um, So preparation is a huge thing to consider, Um, whether it's your first or, you know, you know, second, third, or 15th, or 100th, whatever, ceremony. And I mean a lot of things by this. Um, you know, and if, if you did a ceremony and it, it didn't, quote-unquote, go as well as you thought it would, um, it might be time to look at your preparation technique. Um, if it's your, you know, 20th one and things are still not going, it might be a good time to look at your preparation technique. Um, so I think these will apply across the board. So, um, of course, number one, making sure medical stuff is in check. Um, that includes medications, obviously off of all of them. Um, uh, make sure you're in good health, uh, physical health specifically is what I'm talking about. We'll get to mental health in a second. Um, so... This is one of, you know, and if, especially if you do have a lot of mental health stuff going on, um, and you're kind of listening to this, I mean, ayahuasca might not be something to consider right now. So also consider that as well. Um, I'm noticing this trend within the ayahuasca community and mental health and ayahuasca are crossing each other, which is beautiful and realizing that you know, timing is an issue at times, um, and knowing when the right time is for you. So if you're stable on medications and you're doing really good, it might not be the best idea to go off all your medications and go to ceremony. Only you could talk to your doctor or your therapist about that. So those are dialogues to have with people within your treatment team that know you really well, who understand you, who've seen you and who know your progress, so on and so forth. Um, so medications, physical health, um, obviously we're talking about heart issues, lung issues, um, 
anything that would be potentially compromised during an ayahuasca ceremony. So you'll need to do personal research and talking to your doctor. Obviously, the shaman that you're working with is there to walk you through that process, especially when it comes to physical limitations and, you know, what can or cannot be handled appropriately, safely in ceremony. Um, If you have diabetes, like this is something to really consider because your blood sugar can drop. Um, so you just, you know, you want to make sure you're talking to your doctor and the shaman. You want to have a cross dialogue with them. I mean, I know this sounds weird, right? Because right now these worlds are so separate, but I'm starting to see this is not a good idea. You know, if you want to have an optimal experience, um, then involving both worlds is really going to be smart and comprehensive in the end. So, um, medications, physical stuff, um, what else, what else? Once again, we're talking about good preparation. So, you know, eating healthy, um, is really important. So eating a lot of greens, a lot of fruits and vegetables, eating clean is important, um, from a physical standpoint, but also a spiritual standpoint, Um, so, and that also just means like eating what feels good to you. So, you know, I would say 70%, you know, eat clean, 30% indulge, and that will keep it kind of balanced, uh, for the months, weeks, um, coming up to ceremony. And that will be, that will be good. Of course, you will need to avoid things like dairy and fermented foods and soy and processed foods anything that you're intolerant to um anything you're allergic to um you want to avoid um red meat you want to avoid ripened fruits bananas and avocados especially because believe it's the maois in them but i'm not 100 percent sure but ripen like bananas avocados um it can interact with the medicine um and food and diet you know you don't really need to dial in this is this is a personal preference so you can dial in right away or you can wait you know um meaning like you can dial in right away you can wait i don't know what it meant by that but um So, I mean, you can do this four weeks out, eight weeks out, or you could do it four days out, eight days out. Totally up to you. Um, I would say if you're a first timer, you know, just if I could go back in time and, and, you know, I would have just, I made all the mistakes that one can make. I'll just put that out there. And so if I could go back in time, I would have, I would have done things differently. So if you're being indoctrinated for the first time, just follow all the rules to a T. You know, it might be hell. It might not even be worth it in the end, but at least you'll have the experience. So, um, so medications, physical, food and diet. Um, so, and what, and you know, these are harm reduction techni- techniques that are coinciding or cross, you know, obviously crossing over with preparation techniques. Because if you have a good preparation, less likely you're going to have discomfort during the ceremony. Um, you want to be well rested, depending on if you have a day journey or a night journey. 
Um, and honestly, you know, this is important. Um, if, if your energy gets really zapped by the evening, it might be, it might be smart to consider like finding somebody who does day journeys. I mean, nighttime ceremony is obviously what's traditionally done, but you really got to check in with your body. And this is something that's not really talked about a lot. Um, at least from my standpoint, um, people who really suffer from lots of trauma, you know, by the time the evening comes, you've been in a, in a potentially triggered state for most of the day. So you're not gonna have a lot of gas in the tank, right? And ceremony and ayahuasca is exhausting. You know, you want to have energy. So if you're somebody who you feel much more fresh, you feel how you have more energy, I would definitely consider a day journey because you've fasted all night. You wake up, maybe have some tea and like herbal tea, you know, water, do some yoga, meditation, and then you're ready to go. Um, so, um, let's see. Okay, so well-rested, right? Night journey, day journey. Okay, and then group versus individual. So here's something that's been coming up. Um, so, you know, the group can be very healing and also it cannot be, depending on where you're at. When I first started doing ceremony, group was definitely not for me. Um, and so oftentimes ceremony is advertised in this way as a group. It's traditionally done in a group. And, um, we have to realize though, for most people who are dealing with trauma and, um, and all of us are, so I just, I want to put that out there, but for those who like on a, you know, on the higher end of the spectrum and you know who you are, um, group might not be it. If the thought of the, if the idea of a group scares you, there's a red flag, you know? Um, I mean, if there's some anxiety about it all, that's okay. That's normal. But realizing like, what are your limitations? And so you might do particularly, you know, well in a group in the end, but you really got to decide for you, um, and see if group is the way to go initially, you know, maybe with some more, stabilization, more recovery, stuff like that. Maybe the group will be a place, but something to highly consider. Cause the thing is, is you take on everyone's energy and you're purging stuff and you're picking up on stuff. And sometimes it's not even yours and you'll just be confronted with so many things. You don't want to be in a position where, you know, you're so stimulated to the point. Um, it's detrimental rather than healing. So some things to think about. Um, Let's see here. Um, okay. So I put a note here. Definitely having a good understanding of what is what is actually going on. And what I mean by this, you want to have a good lay of the land of your internal world. I, I find that there's something happening where people don't have any language to what is going on internally and then they want to show up to a ceremony, which I believe, in my opinion, this is not, you know, is it's extremely 
uh, courageous, but at the same time, extremely dangerous. And, you know, you need to have some sort of idea of like what it is that is causing you dis-ease. Okay. And what I mean by that is like, you know, are you familiar with family of origin dynamics? Um, do you understand like how your mother and father had a huge impact on your life? You know, are you aware of the childhood needs that were not met? Are you aware of how certain events, they either affected you or didn't affect you because you tucked them away or you numbed out? Um, you know, do you have addictions? Do you, have you done what's called shadow work? Have you confronted some of these things and taken inventory prior to ceremony? Because if you haven't, most likely all of it will come up, you know, at some point. And if you don't have any framework, it's going to be very difficult to integrate. So a harm reduction method would be knowing this prior to the best of your ability. There's no perfect process. So we just need to get that out of the way. But if you know, if you have process addictions, whether that's food, sex, spending, you know, and addiction, remember it's, it's on a spectrum. We're all a little addicted to something. You don't have to be in the alleyway, you know, or homeless or, you know, sometimes we, we like think of addiction in these certain ways, but I mean, if you got some dysfunction in your life, you need to know about it. You know, you need to be able to look at it and and step out of the denial. Um, so you know, and if you have sexual trauma, if you have any type of trauma, it's, it's good to just like confront that. Um, and just also remember, I mean, some of this stuff comes up like is suppressed, right? So please, you know, I, I'm very well aware of like that could stuff can be suppressed, but, um, so yes. And some good ways to kind of get a lay of the land or have a program in place prior so I'm, I'm a big fan of 12 step and not everyone might agree with that. And that's okay. Um, the, the pros about it, it's free. There's a ton of literature and it's one of the only places you can go and like tell about your problems and people are willing to listen. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a no brainer to me. So whether you have addiction, um, NAAA, or you are codependent, there's codependence anomalies, there's Al-Anon, Gammonon, Narnon, any family member, spouse, friend, whatever, who's dealing with addiction, this is what these other ones, these blank nons are about, is helping the family. Um, there's, I'm a huge adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families person. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty much like the, the family dysfunction Bible in my eyes. Um, Bible meaning like it's amazing, not in any religious context at all. And, um, you know, for doing what I've done most of my life, it, it is the most grounded thing in reality in terms of confronting your own thinking. I think it, it's like new age stuff gets really fluffy sometimes and we're not really confronting the issues. It's, it's, it's a little scary guys. I'm not going to lie. Like we want to call something and part of ourselves, the ego and be like, it's just our ego and throw it away. When 
That's not necessarily true or helpful or integrative when someone's struggling with something on a day-to-day basis and you tell them it's just your ego. I mean, that's not, that's not very helpful, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah, so 12 steps of good, you know, getting lay of the land. If, if you never were going to attend a meeting, picking up an adult children of dysfunctional families, you know, big book would be helpful. Um, you know, realizing too, if, I mean, if you are susceptible to dissociation, you need to know that, you know, and then, um, you know, understanding, learning grounding techniques and how to, um, self-soothe and, um, you know, all these things, which I'm about to go over in the next thing. So I'm just trying to think, um, you know, and just, I mean, if you're really completely lost, I think it's, I mean, and one of them is actually, I'll just check it. I mean, like if you're completely lost and you have no clue, you got to get a therapist. I mean, if, if we're going to do something who's, who's psychedelic opened, you know, they don't need to know everything, but they need to be opened and, um, preferably have an EMDR or somatic experiencing background. Um, these are both cathartic and body mind oriented therapies. And, um, I'll go over some other adjunct uh, therapies that I think are helpful here in a second, but I don't think they're the main guy. Um, yeah, psychodynamic, EMDR, somatic. And then like, you know, if you have an eating disorder, make sure they're eating disorder trained, alcohol, alcohol trained, so on and so forth. I mean, I think you get the picture. So, um, so having like that is, is super important. Um, so yes, understanding what is occurring prior. So that's, that, I mean, that's a large dose right there, you know? So this is to prevent somebody just reading an ayahuasca article and being like, man, I gotta go find a, a ceremony in Peru. And uh, that person is so brave. I tell you that right now. And of course, you know, there's, I mean, I really don't want to be the Debbie Downer. Obviously, There's been many stories where people had no clue. They went to a ceremony and they were like totally blown away and so many revelations, right? That's, that's great. That is great. I'm, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, I think I'm being the safe. I'd rather be safe than sorry kind of person. So anyway, number two, having a mindfulness or meditation practice established. Um... This is important. This mostly includes breathing, knowing how to take full diaphragmic breaths, you know, in through your nose, out through your mouth. That felt good. (laughs) Let's do it again. That's legit guys. Okay. So um, diaphragmic breathing. There's a, another podcast I have. It's called the benefits of breathing. You can look that up and I guide you more. Um, I also have a meditations, uh, Spotify, um, or like a sister station to this. It's called the multi-dimensional journey meditations. So you can find that on anchor or you can find that on any anchor platform that it posts to. I'm a Spotify person. So just look for it on there. I think I got three right now. I need to add more, but 
having a regular meditation practice, yoga practice, um, I'm sorry, mindfulness or meditation practice is really important. Um, cause this is all connected to emotional regulation, being in the present, knowing how to be in your body and when you're out of your body, what to do. And that leads me to grounding as well. Or, um, like, so grounding and self-soothing, um, you know, basically when you're in an anxious state or dissociative state, what can you do? And so this is really important. Um, you know, having a sense of like how to take inventory of your present environment, checking in with how that's interacting with your body, um, paying attention to, um, sensations that are coming up, um, using objects to help you ground by touching, you know, senses like smelling, being able to smell like essential oils to ground, taste, maybe eating something a little bit to help you ground, um, uh, listening to music to help you ground, Um, and really the only way you're going to know this stuff is through experimentation, right? That's the only way you're going to know what works for you and what doesn't. Um, and that's also, I'll just go back again, why I feel like working with a therapist is so important because they're, they're so knowledgeable. They're like a third party. They're not, they're usually, uh, like, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, they're, they're way more grounded usually than the shamanic world. You know, and I think, I mean, I was going to go to school last year to get a PhD in East West, East West psychology. And I feel like this is my role is really to bridge the two worlds, you know? Um, so we, we need to start creating a dialogue between the therapists and the shamans and vice versa. You know, we just like, it has to happen because, because it's happening, right? People are seeking out alternative ways and at the same time it's like the ways we were doing things weren't wrong it's just it may be different okay so this is my opinion and yeah anyway so um being familiar with catharsis you know or catharsisism um so basically like screaming singing chanting crying um, anyways, like that your body moves energy is really important because this will most likely happen during ceremony. And if you can stimulate, you know, the central nervous system in that way or tone it to be like, Hey, when we go into the ceremony, we want to release. We definitely don't want to hold back. You don't want to block yourself. So I feel like it's almost like working that muscle, knowing it's going to be used, right? Because, I've heard of stories and it's happened to me before where, um, and for many reasons, I think this last one I went to, I was super fatigued and I wasn't comfortable with the people in the ceremony and I didn't say anything. And that, you know, that was my mistake and I learned from it. Um, but, um, knowing that, and you know, it's like also, right. It's like, these experiences are medicine as well. So it's, you can think about these things on so many different layers, but for the purposes of this conversation, I'm just gonna keep going. So, um, so being familiar with like the purging process, right? Um, obviously throwing up and going to the bathroom are a part of this. Um, 
those aren't ones you would want to like naturally engage in but like spitting you could spit in a cup just to kind of get yourself used to the fact like oh yeah this might be one of my purging techniques but anyway you can kind of just get yourself ready for that process like it will happen um and in some way who knows I, I couldn't tell you right only you know your body and um so knowing also too like here's uh, we're moving on to the next thing is that um when you're in a group oftentimes and it's like you know it's like ceremony so weird i'm sorry guys it's just like you know we get shoved like sardines in a room and we just figure it out right i mean of course we have the protection of the shamans and everything but it's like it's it's I mean, talk about the most vulnerable and raw thing you can do with people you don't even know. I just, we're amazing, right? We're amazing as humans. And so you just want to be aware because like, you know, our personal consciousness is being broken down a little bit and we're really vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable, we're susceptible to shame. And so just realizing that you know, being able to overcome that shame of a purge in a ceremony is really important. Like really setting that aside, being like, I just got to let this go. Like I can't, you can't worry about other people during ceremony. Right. And if you do, that's a cue. Like there's something probably going on there, like in, in terms of you and your psyche. Um, but it can, it's oftentimes can block people just like feeling that shame and not being able to let go. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. Um, having a community to go to afterwards. So having like already set up like your integration technique, uh, prior. So where are you going to go to talk about these experiences? Is it going to be a friend? Is it going to be via Facebook? Like, you know, during the ayahuasca Facebook group, is it going to be, um, like, how are you going to avoid isolating? Because I'll tell you one thing, ayahuasca experiences and isolation do not mix. Um, it is not good. Um, I mean, obviously there's a difference between alone time and isolation, right? But if you're feeling alone with your thoughts and you had a bad, a bad ceremony, it's, it's not a good combination. So you need somewhere to just talk, you know, um, whether that's, you know, a therapeutic group, um, a women's group, whatever, you know, there's so many different groups these days. I can't even keep up, but you just need to identify somewhere you're going to go. And it's best to just be like, can I talk about my ayahuasca experience here? Because there's definitely certain communities that don't accept you know, ayahuasca as a healing method. And you, you definitely don't want to do a vulnerability purge. And then someone tells you like, and then you get shamed. Right. So it's like, whew, all right. Yeah. We're, we're on it guys. Okay. And then we already talked about therapists, EMDR, somatic stuff. And then I want to talk about, um, adjunct therapies, which include yoga, hypnotherapy, Reiki, um, Chinese medicine, massage therapy, you guys know what I'm talking about, like all those things that only you would know what works for you. And really, I'm just the type like you don't know unless you try and you might have to try several times, right? Just depending on your uh, your personality and just w- do what works right now. You know, we're going over so many things today and if you just picked one thing, 
you would be good, you know, um, in terms of your harm reduction method, um, on top of, of course, appropriate and safe preparation too. So, um, so yeah. And then the next thing is like, you know, having, you know, just being mindful of your diet, which I think we already talked about a little bit, having a routine. So despite the discomfort of the dailiness, you know, having a routine that you stick to and finish, even though it's difficult sometimes, right? And that's what coping skills are for. So that's really important. Um, Get in the habit of confronting versus avoiding or ignoring. Yeah, it's hard. Get in the habit of confronting versus avoiding or ignoring. So um, it's just you know, let's just sit, let's let's be honest. It's hard to to confront because denial is just really comfortable, right? In in any sense, it doesn't matter what it is. So you know, we want to avoid our emotions. We want to deny them. We want to ignore them. And it's just this is not this isn't gonna work. You know, and it's just like having any type of dis-ease has to be treated, you know, and it, it can be treated in so many different ways, but only, you know, use some of your intuition here in terms of what's going to work for you and what's not going to work for you. Um, huge, amazing uh, integration technique I'm very like, you know, that I love is inner child work. So, or inner teenager or like what, you know, or like ego state therapy, they call it. But, you know, inner child work is basically like reclaiming the innocence, the spirit and the authenticity of your original self. And, um, I have a podcast on inner child work, so you can, um, you can look more into that, but in terms of harm reduction, having that set up. And so what all of this does in the end, it gives you a framework for like a container outside of ceremony. You know, if you think about all the preparation and rituals that happen inside of a ceremony, you know, like the hape and the, or the rape and the mapacho and the clearing of the space and all the stuff you do to get in there, you know, all of that energy has to be translated outside of ceremony. All the preparation work that goes in has to be translated outside. And, you know, it's just like, this is for your, like, this is for your safety. This is for your well-being. This is for not, I mean, this is for an optimal, optimal experience. It does not dis, you know, it won't, get rid of any discomfort or uncomfortableness at times, you know? So if that's what you think, that's definitely, that's not what's, what this is about, but it's about being able to work through all of this. And, you know, if you're the type of the person that's called to the practice, it will help you continue the practice. Um, and yeah, so those are some harm reduction techniques. I thought I'd share them with you guys. And if you have any questions, please call in you know, um, ask me questions. If you want to be interviewed on the podcast, that would be great. And I will see you guys next time. I know I was supposed to post something about CPTSD resources. I'm still going to post it, but I forgot. Okay. Have a good day guys. This is a disclaimer that ayahuasca contains DMT, which in the United States is a schedule two drug. 
this is an illegal substance. It is important to remember that yes, there is a religious and freedom restoration act that is present and can potentially protect individuals that are utilizing ayahuasca. However, on paper, legally, in black and white, DMT is in fact illegal. So it's important that you know this and realize it. And if you're deciding to utilize ayahuasca in the United States, this is very important to consider and also realize. If you would like additional information about ayahuasca and ayahuasca lawsuits in the United States, please look up the Ayahuasca Defense Fund.